I read this off a very suspect website. Right. It also said she was four foot seven and 117 pounds, which I feel like those are not compatible. Yeah, those what numbers do don't make well, a ton I mean, of g- sense. Given her frame. You think that 117 is too high? Yeah. For four, four foot, foot seven? Yeah. yeah. You have, she's, she's you like have no idea what people below <laughs> around like six foot weight do you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like the most shredded, steel boned. No, her height. Sorry, four foot seven. Which I'm not sure if I believe that either. That's a bit. This short. sounds like a suspect website. <laughs> like Marie Kondo <laughs> was facts. Stormfront. Yeah, right. <laughs> it also said her favorite food was burgers. I swear to God, this is a very strange website. Also, <laughs> what were you doing? I want to know her height because, like. If you Go watch on Wikipedia, it's not on Wikipedia. I it, it's not on any normal website. It's a state secret. <laughs> she's not real. She's a hologram. We do yeah, realize that she doesn't have a height. If you watch that show, she's always significantly shorter than like anybody she's talking to. She's tiny. Yeah. Maybe she just walks around on her knees all the time. <laughs> like a dwarf or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> dwarf on golf. <laughs> oh God! All right, tidying up with dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, <laughs> wait. Oh, we start. We've started Put down the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we started. Oh God, yes, we started. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks. Oh, welcome, hey. guys. Thanks for tuning hey. in. Uh, welcome to the house. I'm your host, Asher Lack. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Dr. Alan Sussman. What's up, Sam Lazarus? Yo. And our lawyer, Raphael Ruttenberg, ESQ. I have a lot of quibbles. Let's just say quibbles <laughs> in this movie. Uh, I, have, I have like, I need to apologize in advance because I have so much to say about this Yay. movie. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, I have very little to say, so uh, it's going to be a good episode. Yay. Yeah, we watched I'm just, Interstellar. I'm just going to make in my pants and see how long it takes <laughs> guys to notice. <laughs> That'll be my entertainment for the evening. <laughs> I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, we watched Interstellar. Uh, God, where yeah. do we start with this movie? I liked it actually. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, yeah, this movie's awesome. I actually cried. I mean, I I think yeah. I teared up right. a bit as well. There, I, there's a there's a couple of things that I want to say as like a preamble. Are you to like this. boiling over? Preamble. Yeah, I have, yeah. There's so many things that I that I want to say right now. Um, Alan came with like a lot of screens. He's like really prepared for this, and he is like, I I you're pretty on like 80 percent alan animated which is high. yeah I'm, yeah let um, the man do his magic pretty excited right now um no i mean like uh before this before we did this movie i um i was kind of dreading meeting for this and the reason <laughs> why is that i realized the reason why is that i think this is in a completely different um category than all the other movies we've done and i think maybe most sci-fi movies in that you mean rigor wise not just see that see that's the thing i've been trying to think about how i want to talk about this like i don't think it's even about rigor i think it's like it is very rigorous but it's more that most sci-fi movies there's um you know a screenwriter who who originally writes the movie without speaking with any scientist right and uh and so they just have an idea for a plot. They want to, you know, use maybe what they know about science to, uh, you know, drive the plot forward, right? And then maybe at some point they consult with a scientist, right? But it's really not much about the science generally. Yeah. And and then you can ask you can ask questions like how accurate is the science, how rigorous is the science in this movie? Um, but this I think occupies a completely different space because. Um, it's really more about like someone wanting to, uh, discuss, um, like really interesting new topics in science and creating, almost creating a movie around that. It's originally, it originally stems from a treatment by, uh, Kip Thorne, who is one of the, yeah, one of the greatest, uh, scientists in general relativity um, huh. of our time. He actually won the Nobel Prize just a year or two after this movie came out. 
huh. for his work in general relativity. So did Obama. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. For general <laughs> he did, Yeah, he did win the physics Nobel Prize. I um, always wonder what they order for dinner at like the Nobel dinner. You know, if you call you mean like Jack in the Box or Burger <laughs> King, what do you... No, there's like okay, so so the it's Nobel in, Foundation, Norway, right? Yeah, exactly. Like elk steak. Well, yeah. So you can. Jam. They have obviously it's Troll like a butter. gala event, but like if you make an appointment, I think it's like six or eight weeks in advance or something like that. I I don't know if this is still the case, but there was an episode of Globe Trekker about it, where if you call in advance, you can order the dinner that they've had at any Nobel gala in the what? past. That's hilarious. What? Globe Trekker. Globe Trekker is like a travel show that they show on like not MNN but one of those like if you just plug your TV into the wall channels. <laughs> <laughs> if your TV's turned off, this is one of the shows that comes on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you just like blinks into blinks in, into existence late at night. Yeah, it's like if you go off your meds, this is one of the but it's like it's like the video drum show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so we we uh, yeah, I want to hear more from Alan. Yeah, yeah I'm Alan sorry. Before he gets to his tea, we've established that none of us know anything about the Nobel Prize. So yeah, yeah, can't believe you interrupted me, Asher. I'm sorry. Kip Thorne. Kip Thorne. Um, Rip Thorne. Rip Thorne. <laughs> Rip Thorne wrote this movie. Um. So yeah. So Kip Thorne. I mean, he's he's a big deal. He wrote the treatment for this movie. So I, I read the Science of Interstellar today, which is a book that he wrote. Um about interstellar and and he had a he had a there's a nice quote here he says um like after the movie got picked up right he said you know obviously there are gonna be changes and yeah the movie ended up being very different from his treatment right but but the point is like it started out with a real scientist probably one like one of the greatest in his field who really wanted to talk about the things that were interesting to him in science um and and weave those into a movie and then, so even after like Christopher Dolan picked it up, he said, the most important thing to me was our vision for a blockbuster movie grounded from the outset in real science, science at and just beyond the frontiers of human knowledge, a film in which the director, screenwriters and producers respect the science, take inspiration from it and weave it into the movie's fabric thoroughly and compellingly, a film that gives the audience a taste of the wondrous things that the laws of physics can and might create in the universe and the great things humans can achieve by mastering the physical laws a film that inspires many in the audience to go learn about the science and perhaps even pursue careers in science. So like, nice. yeah. So like that Amen was his inspiration that. for the movie. And what a, no, what a noble uh, motivation to make a movie. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty, I'm pretty impressed. Yeah. So it's like ICP with hip hop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just want to inspire people to go to clown college <laughs> and then discover like a healthy love they of want, Jesus. <laughs> they want to inspire people to support their local meth dealers. <laughs> <laughs> Keep Fago in production. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's probably Fago. I think, yeah. Can I'm we sure get they sponsored don't. by Fago? Yo, Fago, <laughs> if you guys not. are out there, definitely <laughs> <laughs> we don't mind having our sperm counts lowered. Yeah. So, like, definitely. Like, What's your favorite Fago? flavor coconut fantasy Blue. final answer <laughs> that's, i coconut think that's fantasy? coconut i don't think that's fago oh no you I know what that's like just tr- the tropical <laughs> that's tropical that's new tropical york tropical fantasy well, that yeah, was tropical fantasy i just remember that that was like when i was in junior high you could get like a half a liter for 50 cents yeah of tropical fantasy that world is gone now <clears throat> yeah so for you those of you who haven't seen now you'll be in there <laughs> oh god so, Alan, I think, like, what you're saying basically is, like, the concept of this movie is to bring people to a lot of these scientific ideas and, and sort of explore them in a way that's narrative-based. Yeah. And, yeah, from the perspective of someone who's, who's you know, in the scientific community and talking about the things that are really exciting to him, right? Yeah. I guess in that way, maybe it has an analog in, uh, like, contact because that also yeah, is like yeah. a... I think it's, yeah, similar to Contact in that way, yeah. yeah Which, exactly. by the way, Matthew McConaughey is in both those movies, right? He's, oh, does McConaughey get playing, blown up by the religious guy? Spoilers for no, Contact. No, he is the... He's like the priest guy. No, that's... No. Um, what? I that's, thought he was another scientist. No, that's, I haven't seen that movie in like... No, the, the, the religious guy is the albino who is Gary Busey's son, and I can't remember his name. Oh, is he actually Gary Busey's son? Yeah. he sure looks like. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Jehoshaphat Busey. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. Azazel Busey. <laughs> oh, God. 
what I liked about this movie, well, I'm, I mean, I liked a lot of things, uh, but in ter- just in terms of uh, the science, is that I got definitely got the sense that there was um, it ran the gamut from science that is you know well established physics to things that were very you know very much out on the fringes, Cutting right? Edge. Yeah. Uh, but nothing that was clearly anti physical. No, yeah, exactly. um, I don't know. No, no. I don't know. Warp speed is that count as anti- yeah. like completely off the rails? I can't Depends remember anymore. Ask. <laughs> Faster than light travel. I am mm. given to understand. Right. You know, I'm just gonna say I don't know much about science book. <laughs> 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 I just you know don't know much about the French I took. Wait, yeah. you did take French. That was the other quote I wanted to give from the book. Is um, he had Kip Thorne had two rules for this movie. So one was. Nothing in the film will violate firmly established laws of physics or a firmly established knowledge of the universe. And the other is speculations about ill-understood physical laws and the universe will spring from real science, from ideas that at least some respectable scientists regard as possible. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. legit. I, I think I read that as well. It might be on the Wikipedia yeah, for the movie. Maybe. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to be here in the room for this is maybe the first time in my life. I've been excited to be in the room with Sam and Alan. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like this sort of like... We've known each other for 20 years now. Yeah, yeah, maybe, <laughs> More than that. Maybe <laughs> longer than that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, get it. Yeah. No, it's, it's honestly pretty unpleasant to be your friend. <laughs> um, it's interesting you still use the word friend though. What is he like going to do? Any definition I could come up with a friend would include enjoying that person's company. Well, oh, I don't <laughs> think that's necessarily true of friends. Yeah. You Damn never had it. a friend that like this is you interactional herpes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know. Anyway, it doesn't sorry. wash off. Just going through the motions. Yeah, just this will be in, this will be yeah. fun for me. Alan, do you want to do the plot breakdown? <laughs> no, so, no, you do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so basically, it's it's like a distant, vaguely dystopian future. Not that distant, I should think. It's not that distant, and it's not that dystopian. Um. And basically, right. uh, Matthew McConaughey plays, is it Cooper is his character's mm-hmm. name? Yeah. yeah. It's just like a lot of white people names in this movie. Yeah. Um, a lot of white people in this movie. Yeah. A yeah. lot of white people in this movie. That's <laughs> true. And, you know, it doesn't definitely suffers from like a lot of like typical Christopher Nolan stuff, which we can dig into as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I was kind of surprised because I think this might be, this and Inception are both like coming up on three hours long and profoundly enjoyable i was kind of shocked like this was the fastest three hours i've ever spent watching a movie yeah Um, took me like 15 hours oh there we go well were you like approaching the speed of light it'll do that slept oh fair enough (laughs) um anyway so it's like a a dystopian future too okay where there's like crop die off on earth and it it's clear that it's a diminishing return they're only training people to be farmers so there's like all of these medical problems that people are having and dust storms and through th- these objects falling, I guess it's books falling in a room of Matthew McConaughey's house. He and his daughter Murph sort of are, can tell that someone's trying to communicate with them and they find the coordinates to what turns out to be a NASA laboratory where Matthew McConaughey gets conscripted to pilot a ship that's going to make contact with the three remaining outposts of a 12-ship experiment to find a new planet for humans to inhabit. And it's right. like... And it's they go through a wormhole. His getting consc- yeah, that's important. Him getting conscripted is one of those like most you know, cringe-worthy deus ex machina sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Caine, I think, is the... the Michael Caine? Sci- Michael Caine's a scientist. And, you know, and he says, we need you to pilot the ship. And it's... It's so absurd, but then this actually kind of works in the universe right. the movie set it up, makes it the, which yeah. is it makes sense at nuts. The end. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. go like, back and rewrite it's, it's it brilliantly. Like you, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah. I mean, like that is so justified. It's like, well, you showed up. You have to pilot this fucking spaceship through a yeah. wormhole. Thanks, this white savior. Favorite, this is my favorite time travel movie trope. Actually, yeah. the like self closing loop, right? Because mm-hmm. then, who, who, what was the cause? Who who, who pulled the strings on the loop the initially? Mm-hmm. Whose idea was it? Right. What was the you know? How did they understand that? Yeah. Or entity. Where well, does it start? It something that yeah, answers it doesn't. Yeah. Something that just like rings as so it just reads as so profoundly stupid 
at the time. Then just like, <laughs> and, and I wrote that like, in my notes. Yeah, and you I was go just back like, to you guys the are movie, you're fucked. Like, <laughs> you guys, it's like that's that that was great. That was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like dangled. They like dangled this stupid, you know, yeah. Deus Ex Machina. But it is Deus Ex Machina. Well, right? it is. It's, it's it, time is a almost, loop. It is it. Almost literally, it is. Yeah, yeah. It is and it is. Well, we can kind of talk a little bit about because. I, I was interested in once we get through the plot breakdown, like who is responsible for the Tesseract? Mm-hmm. He kind of talks about. That. I didn't get it at all the first time I watched this movie, and I came out of the movie actually like extremely disappointed with the last twenty minutes. Okay, and then this time I watched it, I was like, oh, actually, that's kind of cool. And yeah, then I'm looking forward sense. to watching it again because it I didn't it didn't quite work for me, okay. and I was like, I, I'm I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. So basically, the movie hinges on. After they've gone through the wormhole, it's three planets that they're yeah. going to visit. The trouble with the first planet is that it's incredibly close to a black hole, which, and we talked a little bit about this on the black hole episode, which Alan was not there for, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Did you even watch that movie? No. Oh, oh you God, gotta you got to watch it. It's Actually, so deranged. So I was reading The Science of Interstellar today. Yeah. Um, the book. And he actually shouts out to that movie. Uh, at one point, um, Wait, what just movie to talk about the black hole. The, but Raph, Wait, you, you watched what? it. Yeah, he, he shouts out Maximilian so, Schnell. He just mentioned it. Mentions it just to say that that's an example of uh, someone. I know a movie where a black hole looks nothing like what a black hole actually right. looks oh, yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, into and, and in this movie, he actually like beyond. he actually worked with the. Um, the visual effects team. They wrote a whole graphics engine. Yeah, and he like gave them all the a equations. Gra- yeah, engine. so it actually looks exactly like it should look. When so he worked with a real black hole. But yeah, so basically the first episode of the movie is that they land on this planet that is within... It's it's not over the event horizon of the black hole, but no. it's, it's within... It's just close. Yeah. It's close enough that it has like ultra gravity, right? And, yeah. and that gravity... Or no, it doesn't have ultra gravity, but like... It just has a lot of time dilation, so because of its proximity, one, yeah, because yeah, of its proximity, it's a strong gravitational field around. It, uh, there is a yeah, it is, does have strong gravity, yeah. But they do mention here's the other, not, another not thing because that of the mis- planet, because of the black because hole. of the black hole. Right. Yeah. But the, it, they said it's like 130 percent of Earth's gravity. Yeah, they're able to walk around on it. Obviously, they're not being crushed into a little. Yeah, 130 you know, is isn't little you know, fucking it's a third diamond. more. It's like you weigh right. it, like you weighed a third more than you do. But I don't they think that fat. they're referring. No. To <laughs> but hold on. So I mean, like, can, I could can, though, if you want. does time dilation it um, occur? I mean, can, does uh, that doesn't necessarily make sense to me because like I'm, it has nothing to do with the gravity they experience walking on the planet. It's about the fact that it's orbiting in a gravitational field, which is very strong. I don't understand. It's a little confusing because there's two gravitational there's two things producing gravity right there's the black hole yeah. and then there's the planet and so when he walks around the planet and he says this is 130 percent of the earth's gravity he's actually referring to the the gravity from the planet not okay. the black hole right but the black hole is also producing like a large gravitational field that only distorts time distort- but not mass no no it's just they're orbiting in the field so they're in free fall so it's like the, you don't the you planet don't feel is the pull of the the black hole because the planet's orbiting, but you are still in a gravitational field. Do you understand this? Yeah. So so okay. essentially, what it what it would be like is that wasn't very helpful. Is if you're like the gravity on Earth that you experience is you actually being like pulled toward Earth, the planet, and right? Not falling. Right, exactly. So then the, the, gravi- the gravitation of the black hole is a separate field. So it would almost be like if you were listening to a record in your house, you would hear it at a certain volume. And then let's say that your neighbor was playing like the brown note, you would also be going to the bathroom in your pants. Right, this if that's is really <laughs> unhelpful <insane>. analogy. <laughs> it, no, it's unhelpful to you guys, but I think it makes sense to Raph. It's like not based on his face. It's <laughs> it's like <laughs> both things are happening at once. You don't necessarily hear the lyrics to the brown note that you're hearing in the background, but okay, you're yeah. still experiencing it. Let me just give one final I, explanation I think here. The point of analogies is they're not supposed to like <laughs> perplex you and just like <laughs> should I cut that whole analogy? No, no, I just keep I it think it's great. Let me, let me just make very, one more point yeah, here because okay, this isn't this situation isn't that different from the situation that we're in right now on yeah, Earth, right? Yeah. Like we are on a planet, but that planet is also orbiting the sun, right? And 
uh, we feel a gravitational pull from the Earth that keeps the us sun. that keeps us on the Earth. But we don't actually feel a gravitational pull from the Sun. What the Sun does is it allows the Earth to orbit around it, right? I mean, the, the gravitational pull of the of the Sun is causing the Earth to be able to orbit around it in a stable orbit. And we experience right? some measure of time dilation. We do. We from do. Both, for both sources of yes. gravitation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And this has to do with well, satellites. They have to calibrate them differently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. To right. Co- compensate for that. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Because satellites don't feel the same gravitational pull yeah. from the, the Earth. The field strength is lower. Field so strength. time di- dilation is lower. I mean, would nice. the analogy of two sources of music in different distances or two sources of sound different distances away and you're experiencing both fields? No, like that's if one fine. is It's just that like the planet you're standing on you're feeling its gravity because you're not orbiting. So it's different. In your analogy, it's like yeah. two different sources of sound. But I'm saying the source of sound in your house, air quotes, is, or on the Earth or on Miller's planet, you're you're touching something. You're, you're standing on yeah, the ground. Right. So you feel weight. Mm-hmm. But the orbit around a black hole or our sun, you don't feel weight as a result of it because you're in free fall. That's what an orbit is. It's a free fall path yeah. where you're not moving sort of out of the gravitational field or into it. Yeah. You're on a stable I, path. I think I get it now. Yeah. Cool. I feel like I know more about science books than I did. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Yeah, so so essentially what happens is is because of the gravitational field of the black hole, which is a supermassive black hole, yeah. there's a time dilation on this planet so that if you're within the sort of field of, it's I think one hour is 20 years or something seven like that. Years, seven seven years. years. Okay, so they get stuck down there only to discover that the planet is uninhabitable and there are massive waves. What's his face from whatever movie gets killed? And um, the waves are also something that Kip Thorne... Like calculated, like those could be a real thing mm. on that planet because of its proximity to the black hole. Oh, I didn't realize that at all. That it's makes just perfect like sense. Like tides, it's yeah, tides it's basically, tides, yeah. But, but it's black hole influenced tides, right? Just yeah. extremely tides. drastic. Tra- oh, tides. that yeah, that's so huge cool. Tides, it's such a beautiful idea. Like it's it's yeah. so terrifying to imagine being on a planet with like a single giant wave that every hour, you know. Yeah. rises it's more like two 10 waves. miles yeah going back for it yeah, yeah it's terrifying and the, the 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 wall the idea of like not only is it a wave but it's like not a not like a tsunami like behind it isn't more water it's mm. just like this wall of water tracking across the surface and the fact yeah. that this has um a basis in like theoretical physics is really gorgeous like it's like I love the linkage of the two. Yeah. Well, also, yeah. like when when something has work underneath it, I think that you always feel that. And I, I right. don't know, as if you were, even if you're totally ignorant to that work, and maybe that's one of the really special qualities here. Um, even though most of this is like very complicated physics that you know, point one percent of the population understands or less than that, they still made the effort to yeah. do that yeah. and you still feel it, it even comes though through. there's you know, a moment even though most people don't don't understand that that you could still feel that somehow yeah that's you know? that's exactly right i mean yeah. i think it's a it's a really important thing i don't mean to step on you guys points but like i think it's such an important thing for people making art to not talk down to your audience at yeah. all yeah it's like you don't have to and and the thing is is like again you don't have to explain that there's a logic to the way that these waves work that there's a science behind this but somehow that is communicated to us in some level i don't, I don't know i would assume and viewers are to me I, that's what i was going to say actually there's a moment where matthew mcconaughey's character realizes there's another wave coming he's yeah. like oh that's a wave and it's going away and then there's a beat and then he's like uh oh and turns around and yeah. you're there with him, like realizing, oh shit, like, you know, water is incompressible. There's something coming from the other side. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but like, it's consistent. It's consistent. And you can see, I don't know, I really liked that moment because it was yeah. like, oh, this is a real system that we're in, not just one built for like, oh, Deus Ex Machina comes along and the story moves forward. Yeah. It's which, like, oh, this is the situation as it would be. And it's fucking terrifying. And like, yeah. oh, they're about to die, you know? It's just really intense. I like that. Yeah. So, so they managed to make it off that planet. Um, it obviously is not inhabitable. And the second, there's a debate over which planet to go to next. 
Uh, and they, they end up the second sort of episodic thing of this. Well, obviously, they, by the time they make it off the planet, it's been, what, 25 years since they left Earth or something like that because of the something time dilation. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, uh, we basically find out like things on Earth haven't been going well. Uh, you know, Matthew McConaughey's daughter has all grown up and then they're on their way to the next planet. Man's planet. Man is the one who's uh, Matt Damon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought that that was really, I still think that's funny, like the reveal of Matt Damon. Yeah, right? I thought that was really cool. How, I, I don't know. I thought it was a little silly. Like, you know, they you can kind of, especially when you see it the second time, you can kind of see how they made a point of not revealing who it was, right? Like there's a point at the beginning where they're at NASA and they point to man's picture on a wall, but they don't zoom in. So you can't see mm-hmm. Matt Damon's face, right? Uh-huh. And then even when they're pulling him out of cryo sleep, you know, right? They like take out the bag, they slowly unzip the bag and it's not till like they pull the thing down that you can actually see, you know, you see, oh, it's Matt Damon. Like it's supposed to be this big reveal. Yeah. Which yeah. is way less exciting for me than seeing Casey Affleck. Sorry to right. take yeah. a, <laughs> Oh God, yeah, I forgot about Sorry that. Sorry to take a left turn, but uh, cryo sleep, the fuck is up with that? Real? Mm. Science fact? I don't, Alan? not yet. I, I, I Obviously read, not yet. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, but yeah. actually, well, flying to Saturn with people in it well, is hang not on, yet either. because as a lawyer, this is interesting. As a lawyer, yeah, as a lawyer, cryo sleep actually plays a huge part in our copyright no, law. That's yes, a, a fucking apocalypse. Well, it's not. It's wait, dude, what? Yeah, look wait, it up. Cryo sleep. Yeah, so Disney is dead. I know his, that his Disney his is copyrights dead. Copyrights are not a result of him being cryo. Well, I mean, that's copyright law is like was. You for definitely many know years, more about copyright law than I do. I, I guess. I don't know. You're the lawyer. Yeah, right? I don't know anything about copyright law, so whatever you're about to tell me, it's, it's, well, I'm going to take it as gospel. Ba- <laughs> basically, because like, you're not wrong ever. Yeah, no, I'm it. 100%. Reality bends to me being correct. <laughs> that's that's why everyone has 11 toes now. Yeah, Look like it a, up. No. Um, you're, like a, you're like a god who like whispers things into, ex- breathes things into existence. Yeah. Right, let's go back to this plot breakdown. Well, but Kevin so McCarrot, right? just as an aside, like about the copyright thing, and oh I don't God. know how true this really is, but I was told a long time ago that basically like all copyright law in America was, um, was sort of, I don't know, like predicated on the fundamental idea that Mickey Mouse can never go public domain, Right. So they kept pushing back the age where it's like 70 years after the death of the creator, 80 years after the death of the creator or whatever. And the I think of that the creator. What? Yeah, that's right. Um, and so that's true. I think that uh, part of the reason that the Walt Disney sort of like frozen thing was so widely spread was I think it was an attempt by Disney to say that he hadn't died so that Mickey Mouse could never go public domain. I'm pretty sure that is not a real thing. Yeah, I know it's not a real thing, but no, I think I that... I mean, I'm pretty sure that, like, that claim was never made also. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's a pretty hard claim to substantiate. It's I'm like, gonna, we gotta, we gotta find somewhere to put, fit this on the plausibility scale. <laughs> it's pretty... From, s- from <laughs> a low plausibility of Marie Kondo is a four foot seven <laughs> Shinto demon... <laughs> to, to like to Donald Q-Anon. Trump is a, is a, you know, to Donald Trump is a felon, <laughs> being the most plausible. Yeah, I think this is so like edging Pizza towards. Gate is real. I think you keep getting the you keep getting the polls of this mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my do truth you, do, you, do, you, do you understand up. truth versus untruth? Is this like something we need to go for? I unwrap the the riddle oh, that's a question God. for another episode well, yeah i was thinking about that recently actually carolyn and i were talking about it recently where i was like yeah you know like the republican party faced with the reality of the majority of people in america find their political platform completely abhorrent instead of changing their platform have just sort of attempted to change our belief in a shared set of facts right it's like no, instead of being like, oh, maybe maybe we shouldn't like give tax cuts to the Ritz. They're like, no, no, no. You just truth isn't real. That's what you guys need to think about. Yeah, I mean, QAnon. it's it's, um, it's one of the central uh, plays out of the totalitarian playbook, and it's it's just interesting how it's it's just for so many people, it's just expediency. 
I think this is a topic for another day. Yeah, we'll talk Where about this. Where the hell were we in this plot breakdown? Oh, yeah. So so basically, they go to the second planet, which we were, is... We we're just meeting Man's Matt Damon. Planet. Matt Damon, yeah. Planet. By the way, also, the name of this movie, Interstellar, Interstellar they make the point of saying it, they go between galaxies. So it should have been called Intergalactic. And they missed an opportunity <laughs> to, to sample the Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys <laughs> rap the plot <laughs> over the credits. all of deep blue over the end credits. All of <laughs> deep blue sea missed opportunity. Was a Christopher wormhole. Nolan hack. First <laughs> <laughs> there was a wormhole. It was a sphere, not a circle. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's my Beastie Boys impression. I think the Beastie Boys were going to be the astronauts. I hate the Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys <laughs> were the three astronauts on the three planets. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Amazing. All right. Somebody remake it. Somebody cut oh this movie so that, so that MCA and comes back from the isn't dead. Isn't there a robot? Well, MCA could be Edmonds. Oh, yeah. that's true. Isn't there a robot <laughs> in the intergalactic video? There is, and it fights a squid monster. Okay, so that could have been, instead of the, ro- the clunky-looking... Tars. tars the robot from the yeah in case yeah, yeah. yeah i had trouble ke- I, maybe i'm like anti-robotic because i couldn't keep really tell them apart really they were the same case and tars. Oh, no, that super was easy tough. to tell the difference wait how <laughs> well one said tars and the other said case yeah you but, mean in the, but then the personality no, wise on, no no, no on, on the, the robot really yeah good. yeah i didn't watch the movie well, i listened to the audiobook uh, <laughs> yeah of the movie so, so I think the voice of tars i guess you guys probably don't know but is the dude one of the dudes from uh, the gifted some no, pickings not gifted uh, legion have you guys Help seen this Vincent? no nobody knows what I'm talking about okay What's he's it? awesome never mind yeah. yeah so so basically I thought that the, the Matt Damon plot resolves pretty quickly but it's like they're on this planet um, Matt Damon is like oh yeah this can totally sustain life let me take you to the place where you can see like the beginnings of the life that I planted and he takes Matthew McConaughey down there and then proceeds to attempt to murder him and he set a booby trap in his own yeah, like robot. domicile oh in his robot, which then explodes, killing the other scientist that they're on this mission with. Yeah. Um and then after he spent like decades waiting for them, poor dude. I know, that why guy, didn't he just yeah. go home? Which I wanted so much more screen time because every time he spoke he said something interesting. And I was sort of like, come on, like, I don't need this like burgeoning fake relationship between Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. Like I find like in all Christopher Nolan movies, they are like the most neutered, sexless movies of all time. That that I that I really can't, mm. you know, like I just... You were hoping for a sex scene? They don't really have those in anymore. I was just hoping Ooh, for yeah. something. Like there's I mean, no that, that humor. I did think was strange in the sense, like I didn't feel like there was any kind of, even, re- you know, nothing romantic between them. No romantic feelings, right? And then at the end, he goes to to see her, right? And you're supposed to feel like, oh, like they're about to fall in love or something and, you know, like well, start a life together, it, right? It reminded me a lot of the way that kids in my department when I was in college, like, you know, in their screenplays, like the kids who had never had sex would write relationships where it was like, at the end, it was like, well, you're a man and you're a woman, so I love you. you are Is you that saying that Christopher Nolan's never had sex? I That's that my theory. I'm <laughs> That's my theory on this one. Like... Christopher Nolan's a virgin. I'm pretty sure he's like Walt you Disney know. is still alive. <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Nolan's a virgin. Maybe he's just British. Marie Kondo's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> she's 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 made up of discarded things, <laughs> spirits of discarded things, and this is how she feeds her power. <laughs> we oh, we cracked the code. She's, she's like actually Kirby. communicating. She's gonna, to yeah, she's right. It's, she's like yeah. She's gonna, she's gonna appear. I don't know what that is. She's gonna appear <laughs> in my mirror tonight as I'm brushing my teeth. <laughs> Because I, I found out her secret. A, a what? <laughs> Have you seen that game? Calamari DeMarchi, Yeah. Mac Nobody DeMarco. Oh, God. All right. You guys are the worst. <laughs> Man. Mac DeMarco. <laughs> Mac DeMarco, actually, <laughs> this is great. We opened for Mac DeMarco once in, uh, in Utrecht. And, and God, they just were so unwashed. And then I ran into him again at South by Southwest, like maybe two years later. And he was like, dude. I live in New York now. You should come stay with me. <laughs> I was like, I have an apartment here. I don't. I don't need to stay with you. His name is his first name Mac is short for macaroni and cheese. <laughs> yeah. Let's break this plot down. All right. Yeah. So so basically, Matt Damon then dies in the subsequent escape. Uh, 
Yeah, oh, another, trying, another yeah. beautiful scene was yeah. such a fucking haunting. The soundtrack. The soundtrack oh, yeah. to this was amazing. Oh, so good. Shockingly good. So fucking good. And there were so many times that like brought me to tears and I was like, fuck you for yeah. making me feel things, movie. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like the cutting to silence that they did a fair bit. I find yeah. that really compelling. X-Men's yeah. Movies. Like in space. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely. Was really good. It, and it was, and uh, Christopher Nolan has, and this might take us down a, a different road, but he said that his favorite movie, or one of his favorite movies, 2001. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this movie you know. is, as much as basically every movie that takes place in space post-2001 is in some way indebted to 2001. Yeah. It's just like... You mean like post the movie 2001 or like post year 2001? Post the movie 2001. Oh, oh okay. No, but not... Indebted <laughs> to the year 2001. Yeah. The year we graduated. The year we graduated high yeah, school. Yeah. Um, yeah. The year we'd be living in. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. So, so basically... Oh, yeah, but you left out that the reason he's escaping is because he faked all that data. Like that planet is not an sustain life. Yeah. But he wanted to get saved. And so he's, yeah. Which yeah. there was some interesting philosophical stuff to that. I don't know. I mean, right. He's a really interesting character in the sense of like, he's so like sort of logical. Like he's, he's very logical about it. He's like, I, I need to, um, you know, like survive. I need to save my own life. Yeah. I'm sorry that I'm doing this. He, like, he keeps apologizing as he's like trying to kill Matthew McConaughey. You know, uh, he's, he's like, like extremely. Worse. I can't watch you die. I thought I could, but I can't. He's yeah, the worst. yeah, he is. The he's a fascinating worst. character. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. he's but a really interesting, a- character. excellent acting. Well, yeah, and I, th- I thought also it's really brave for like a major studio actor who does leads and like a leading man to take the role where not only are you like the villain, but you're also like this sort of weakest like yeah. low T like pussy of a villain. I don't know. He's yeah. a cuck. <laughs> yeah. He's a real cuck. <laughs> this episode, we waded into <laughs> some <laughs> complex waters here. What a, what, a, what, real, what a cuck try and lure, lure people to a planet to kill them and escape. <laughs> he just fails. So he's just a fail son in perfect docking. That's a great scene. That's just <laughs> space docking done imperfectly. Perfect space docking. Yeah. Perfect space. That's docking. the title of the episode. Okay, so they don't have enough fuel to get to the third planet, uh, where there's a potential sort of place for human life to restart. So Matthew McConaughey sort of uh, pilots the ship into the orbit of the black hole and uses the gravitation of the black hole to yeah. catapult to the travel ship. travel backwards in time and save the whales. <laughs> what? It's from save Star Trek Earth. 4. Oh. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of farting. Or 5, I can't remember. Gargantua. Three, 2, 4, 4. Gargantua and Pantagruel, Rabelais. Oh yeah. What? Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> Wait, tell what? if that was just coincidence. What are you, what are you talking about? So there's this um it's a, there's a series 18th of century French novel. Yeah, by this monk named Rabelais about this giant named Gargantua and his son Pantagruel. I read it a long time ago. It involves a lot of doo-doo humor. <laughs> yeah, it's a like lot. actually. Yeah. Like it's, it's like medieval <laughs> French monk is like Flagello, fart, poop, and doo doo. Yeah, I think there's basically the whole goddamn book. There's a part of it where like the giant is like constipated, and he goes to like miners, and he like puts them in his intestines so they can like mine out the rock. I don't know. I haven't. Sounds right. This sounds like something I would read on the internet and just be like, "This is an insane person." (laughs) Not a real historical. Yeah, and it's like yeah. part of the Western Literature. canon, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, when they kept saying Gargantua, I kept cracking up. I was like, <laughs> "Is there a connection with farting? Like, is, there, yeah. is, is black hole gonna fart? Um, black holes can fart. Black holes can fart." So essentially, at the end of it, Matthew McConaughey has to jettison himself into the black hole um, in order for Anne Hathaway to make it. <laughs> Such a great line. He goes. Tars says, like, uh, in all of human history, the best you could, you humans could figure out to move around was to throw things to, or something. To leave Get, something leave behind. Something behind. Maybe. Yeah. 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 That's such a good line. Which um, I totally flubbed. Please and continue. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so there's a parallel plot line on Earth, which is as scientist Michael Caine, which do you guys have a hard time believing Michael Caine is a scientist? That one was sort of like... Nope. No, mm, I didn't. Oh. No, I I went with it. I guess. I mean, I kind of I'll believe him I'm as sure anything. Believing Anne Hathaway is his daughter. That is also accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think of that one. Oh yeah, your girl. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, wait, did you know her in college? No. Cool. I talked to her like once or twice. Oh, good story. We sort of ran in different circles. Like, you know how I feel about theater. <laughs> well Well now you feel positively about theater, but I think I do. Don't you? I guess. I don't know. I More go to so a lot of theater. That. Depends on the theater. Yeah, I went theater to see the new absurd. Tom Stoppard play actually, which deals with like a bunch of sci fi stuff. We should to- Tom Stoppard one? talking about this. Uh, it's called <laughs> <laughs> <Boo>! <laughs> That's really good. It's called The Hard Problem. It was my uh, Christmas gift to Carolyn was tickets because it was expensive. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was good. Um, right. Yeah. Anyway. Theater. Wait, what's The Hard Problem? Uh, it's consciousness. It's actually basically oh, what our okay. entire episode uh, about Ex Machina, which someone didn't show up for. Sam. Oh, it was me. Stay oh. tuned, <laughs> listeners, because it's going to be uploaded. Yeah, I think that one's in the next three three weeks. We're going to do that. Okay. Cool. So yeah. Um. So for the listener, it's like six months ago. Yeah, exactly. Six <laughs> months from now. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Depending what planet you're on, over the time is dilated. Like, and how quickly like you're moving between them, <laughs> and how close you are to the black hole. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, so who keeps doing the nerd voice? <laughs> So, so there's a parallel plot line on Earth where, um, you know, Matthew McConaughey's daughter, played by Jessica Chastain, who's now all grown up, has discovered that, um, what's his name, Michael Caine, the scientist, had lied about his data on Earth and hadn't figured out the equations necessary to launch the sort of, you can't really no, call it a space station. No, it's not that he didn't figure out the equations, that he never had any hope of solving those equations. So he hadn't right. figured them out and he was no, lying he the whole time. He did figure them out. They say a few times he had the solutions, what? but not the ones they needed. Like he had solved what he thought was he possible s- to solve. And there wasn't anything else left for him to... Okay. Right? But I think the point is... Yeah, I think his point is that he never had any um, hope of solving the problem of of like... Essentially what they want to do is... is uh, put all humans on these like space stations that they can basically just like levitate mm. like anti-gravity levitate you know because they can they want to be able to control gravity so then just levitate these space stations into space right and get us to some other planet right and he admits that he like never had any hope of oh, okay of solving that problem i think yeah and that the solution to the problem was within you had to be beyond the event horizon of a black hole to kind of communicate that information about gravity right to get so, the data he needed right yeah, so that's like an interesting thing, right? So that I think is where the things that a, a real physicist who's like really in it like finds exciting, that's where it, ca- it came through, right? Because that's a real problem in physics right now is that people can't, um, don't understand what happens, how to, how to marry quantum mechanics and general relativity. And there's only certain places where you actually need to worry about like how they interact or try to find a because they talk about things at the opposite ends of the spectrum in the center of singularity you have exactly right yeah yeah. quantum mechanics is usually quantum mechanics is about how the universe works at a very small scale generally and general relativity is about how it works uh at for very massive things or at least that's where those things um kind of dominate that's where the the equations are useful that's where they they dominate the uh, over each other right and only in the cases of very small massive things do you need to worry about both at the same time and people don't know how to combine them right yeah and so and the center of a black hole is one of those cases right I guess for a layperson, because for a long time, I didn't quite understand why this was problematic. But so for a layperson listening, I mean, the, the issue is essentially that like if you're trying to find out sort of a set of rules that govern reality and existence, you can't really say, hey, yeah, we have one set of rules for when things are really big and a different set of rules for when things are really small. But when things are in the middle, it's basically the same set of rules. It's like five equations, right? I mean, mm-hmm. is that a, a good explanation of sort of why both, there's a problem without a unified... Both sets of rules reduce on the normal scale that you think about to Newtonian mechanics. Right. So you don't really, right, you don't really mm-hmm. need either in a relatively flat space-time at human observable sizes. Right. Neither rules are different from the simple ones that Newton figured out. Right. 
but inside a black hole, you're massively different from the system that we're used to in both ways, as Alan was saying. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, well, which of those rules applies? Right. Or more accurately, how do we scale one of those rules to match the other one? I right. think is the, right? That's yeah. the sort of string theory approach. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah. So in the context of the movie, it's like there are these gravitational anomalies. They know that they exist, but they can't understand how that they they would harness things like that, right? And it's because they don't have like a unified um, theory of gravity because it breaks down at the quantum scale, right? Okay. Yeah. And so they need that that data, that quantum data, which they don't really explain what that is or or. Why Tars thinks could. there would be any way to transmit it yeah. out of the black hole? Right, that's very odd. Right when when they're that made like, me mad. that was the one moment where I was like, geeky physics yeah. asshole moment. Yeah. yeah. So essentially, basically, in sending Anne Hathaway to the third and final planet that might be habitable, Matthew McConaughey falls into past the event horizon of the black hole, which again, basically every sequence of somebody traveling sort of beyond the limits of our regular understanding in some way mirrors the journey at the end of 2001 yeah and is never going to live up to that because that is i really wanted to hear tar's last words over the radio be it's full of stars i was really really (laughs) or it's full of tars that would have been (laughs) nice um that could be the title yeah but so so essentially like mcconaughey ends up in the singularity the black hole in this sort of like memory house, like how would you describe that? That was the sort of, so he ends up in this place where he the can tesseract. see. Yeah. It's like a four dimensional, which again, this was a really cool physical rendering of the idea of four it's dimensions. Yeah. That to me was like, was interesting. So he's in this sort of four dimensional space where he can see through time into more, this yeah. room in his house. It's more like a, at every embedding point. of four dimensions in three dimensions. Yeah. It, it reminded me a bit of the idea of like, not incidental time, but like concurrent time, like the way Dr. Manhattan in the Watchmen experiences everything happening at once. But it's not concurrent time. It's like as if you had an almanac of time or like a scrub bar, right? Like he's existing in a space filling index of moments. Yeah. Corresponding to one point in space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you're totally right. Yeah. It's, it's, he's existing in like the infinity of this one place, but yeah. it, it's expressed it's in like a series time, of moments. Yeah. Time has been embedded into three, the three space, but he only has like one dimensional access to it, kind of. Yeah. And he uses gravity to communicate with Murph, his daughter, played by Jessica Chastain. Yeah. Um, the the solution or the information necessary to complete the equation to Among get other them things. yeah to get them off of planet earth which none of that makes any sense but okay. yeah that was the part that i was sort of like what the fuck wait, why not why why not why not wait, what part wait, doesn't make sense the part where he can push 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 books off the shelf why gravity what okay Gra- oh gravity now it makes sense yeah gravity <laughs> pushes books off a shelf <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. It's like... It's a gravitational anomaly. I mean, I guess the, makes it makes sense in the way that you can be like, oh, but future humans were, are smarter. And so they made it well, like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, 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 cru- that's the crux mm-hmm. of this. That's how that, it works, Sam. They built it. They well, built, their the internal logic is consistent. Yes, that sure. The only means they have of communicating with the past is through gravity. Right. It exists in the fourth dimension. They use that in a number of different ways, You know, one of which is... But, you know. Yeah, but well, he's not gravity. Hang on, he exists, I mean, I, in, a, he exists I, in some kind of tesseract that he can use but, gravity. Yeah, where the edges of the room he's in are, is like a membrane that extrudes gravity through time somehow, magically or something. I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not completely sure, but I will say that, like, well, that's good. he's um, he's. I'm in, completely sure this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> he's in. Um, he he's ha- he has access to a fifth dimension is what's happening there right so the fifth dimension is like the force that he's applying no the fifth no. the fifth dimension is another spatial dimension that he has access to that it's like the the same dimension that he's traveling through when through the wormhole 
Yeah. Right? It, so does that make sense? So it, it makes. You mean I, I can ex- call dimension. it the bulk. Fourth yeah. spatial dimension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fifth dimension if you include time. Mm. If, right. I think... They call it the bulk in the movie. Well, it's like the dimension from which you can view time as a spatial dimension, right? Um, so, like, if you're on level five, you're looking down and seeing four spatial dimensions below you. One of those happens to be time. Yeah. And so... I don't like that. We had a long conversation, you and I, Alan, about how time is not perpendicular, is not a spatial dimension. Actually, that was you and me, Sam. Oh, <laughs> it was Asher. <laughs> yeah, I'm not completely sure, but I'll just say that, like, um, uh, it is a theory that people have that there is this. Um, it, it's it's one of the ideas of string theory, actually, and some other theories that there is this fourth spatial dimension that's like extended that people you can actually that you know we can't go into, but potentially you could. And um, and that gravity actually is the only force that somehow can uh, be transmitted across that into that um, fifth dimension. So sort of implying that your mass is your height along that axis. Your mass. What is your height? What do you mean? Your mass is the dimension along that fourth spatial is your, your no. width, say, or height along dimension four no no it's just that that gravity can leak into that dimension like so right so because every every force in every force can be transmitted across all three dimensions all all three spatial dimensions like every fundamental force that we know of Mm -hmm. right like um electromagnetism the weak force strong force and gravity are the four fundamental forces that we know of. And those can all be transmitted across. Well, (laughs) okay, three. Um, Those can all be transmitted across the three spatial dimensions. But um, many of like the major theories um, for that, that try to address quantum gravity, like string theory and some others uh, say they, the way that they solve this is they actually say that there's a, at least another spatial dimension that gravity none of the other forces like go into that other dimension but gravity does okay and so that's kind of this is a thing in existing string theory in string theory and also in um uh lisa randall our our alum she's she went uh she's like a uh co our co-alum co-alum yeah mm-hmm. she um she's a, a theoretical physicist at harvard cool. huh um, oh, I think I just read with, about with her. Brian Green, like they did the Westinghouse competition together. I think. Okay. Brian Maybe. Green, hate that guy. Um, shit, we've had this conversation, Sam. Don't uh, look at me like. A- are you, I just want to make sure you're not thinking of Brian Singer. No. Okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, he's equally hateable, but no, Brian Green. No, I just we uh, know you hate Brian Green. I mean, I, I know you hate Brian Green. Yeah, all right. We don't talk about that. <laughs> Everyone knows that Asher hates Brian Green. They have a beef. Yeah, if you're out there, back. Brian Green, stop telling me <laughs> <laughs> that existence is uh, fundamentally deterministic. Okay. Everyone knows existence is a hologram. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, <laughs> DBS so, blast. So actually, that is the theory that they're kind of going with in this movie. Is this theory by Lisa Randall? That there's a fourth spatial dimension that gravity is like can be transmitted through, and only gravity, and only gravity, yeah, huh? Yeah. Is that good old that book pushing gravity? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of sounds like an article Grand I read Peppy's about uh, dark energy being explained by gravity leaking through across higher order dimensions. I read an article about gravity and said it could push books off of shelves. <laughs> <laughs> that was the entire article. Yeah. And there's, there's, another, there's another thing that I... I'm really annoyed because I, I was reading The Science of Interstellar all day, but oh, I didn't God. finish it, so I didn't get up to the explanation for the ending. How's it end? Okay, so we, um, should we... Um, yeah, so basically at the end of the movie, um, Matthew McConaughey, through the help of his daughter Murph and her genius... Uh, has managed to save humanity and he gets pulled out of the black hole and yeah, that's okay. kind of poorly that explained make any sense. yeah we don't need to dig into that it though it pooped him out yeah it shoots him the, out i thought her name was ex- smurf, smurf. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <go on. laughs> the explanation is that somehow he's traveling along the surface of of uh, the tesseract 
Okay. Like a, you know, because the Tesseract spans the fourth facial di- space, spatial dimension. Spatial dimension, yeah. right? I didn't so think So it can kind of drop you off anywhere that... Anywhere you jump an, off. Anywhere, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so, so Matthew bottle. McConaughey is reunited with his daughter Murph, who is now an old woman who has managed to save humanity. Um, yeah, they're reunited on like a space station that's designed to look like a perfect oh yeah kentucky cornyard physics point i wanted to raise about that (laughs) you can't play baseball inside a rotating cylinder agreed yeah that's true (laughs) that wouldn't work at all only play lacrosse like you could barely (laughs) even jump inside a cylinder that size like you'd get dizzy and pass out wouldn't you but they've mastered gravity also why are we pulling apart that part of the movie because it was the second time in the movie where i was like wait a minute because and then she hits he hits the you could see it like he hits the breaks the window on the building on the other side of the cylinder uh-huh. because there's no gravity like how why would you even try to play they're wearing magnet balls boots. never gonna come back down they're wearing yeah. magnet boots oh that's what you're talking about yeah like the ball's not gonna come back down. ever it's Maybe. always gonna break the window <laughs> how do you know they were yeah, playing yeah. The baseball and not there. playing break the window maybe that was the, the first shot of the revolution where they take over <laughs> the spaceship and steer it back into the sun <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to have anything to do with your stupid society what like, MAGA? <laughs> yeah, like, yo, QAnon is real. God. I, the best planet is the sun. We live in the sun now. <laughs> MAGA. Yeah. Make so the no sun, thoughts, gr- no make the sun great again. Um, cool. So do we have any endorsements this week? Should we throw two endorsements? Or? Or, or Alan, are you out of... Oh, yeah, wait. Alan, there's like a ton more stuff you, you have to say, right? I don't mean to... Uh, yeah, maybe. I think we hit a lot of things. I mean, there is one last thing I wanted to talk about, um, which I was hoping to get to naturally, but it never happened. That's cool. Um, let's do it unnaturally. Yeah, let's just do it unnaturally. Um, so my undergraduate, so when I was, uh, an undergrad, I did research in, um, general relativity. Um, cool. In particular, numerical relativity, like solving the equations numerically using computers. And my and my advisor is this guy Saul Tukalski. He was uh, one of um, Kip Thorne's students actually um, back in the day. And in the Science of Interstellar, uh, Kip Thorne actually shouts him out. Huh. Um, and talks about how. Anyway, one of the calculations they did for for the movie was originally he originally did it. Um, cool. And and on top of that, when I was uh, I me- I remember I actually met Kip Thorne once. So when I was visiting grad schools, I. I was like considering working in his lab. Um, and maybe I should have because they got the Nobel Prize. Um, that was so they wrote this fucking awesome weird. Movie too. <laughs> yeah, you'd so probably have a lot more to say about it. Yeah, what I, was it? This come out? I think this did come out when I was in grad school. So twenty fourteen missed, missed opportunity. No, twenty fourteen it came out. Yeah, okay, but it was in development probably. You would be too good You wouldn't be here. Yeah, you would not you be would our be friend wearing, anymore. Like, you won the Nobel a Prize. Silk robe, <laughs> like sitting on a throne with like a pet jaguar, and, like, <laughs> big boobied like is Mick Jagger they, from performance. Is that what's in right. the uh, swag bag now for the? Can for I say big boobied on the air? Yeah, Fuck no, big boobied jaguars. Um. All right. So to finish the story. Uh, so I, I met him. We, we, we talked for a while about like his research. Um, it's pretty cool. And I remember, um, on this grad school visit, there was also this girl who was totally like fangirling out over Kip Thorne. That's amazing. And like, cause she was, uh, she really wanted to do like general relativity research. So she actually like went up to him with, um, her like general relativity textbook and like asked him to sign it. That's was, like, awesome. Really, um, so yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. He's a big deal. Wait, did you not get something signed by him? I did, but I can't talk about it. Hmm. So should we throw it to endorsements? Sure. Is there anything yeah. else you wanted to talk about, Al? Because that'd be funny if you had another thing to put off endorsements with. Because I said that was my last thing? Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> um, we can always cut it. I mean, another thing that's cool about this movie is like that the visualizations that they did of black holes are actually like the types of things that scientists actually do when they're visualizing black holes, except that um, they're done at like super high def because they're done by like an 800 person visualization team Mm. that is like trying to, you know, 
make it look really good for the for the camera so like they actually did visual like scientific accurate visualizations that they never done before like what right. what do black holes look like nearby right that's so, the reason i originally watched this film oh really see that yeah 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 so, so badass yeah awesome <laughs> um yeah i'm just looking in my notes if there's anything that we forgot to cover I just put the implication of the Tesseract is that we live in a deterministic universe. Future humans know that it will be necessary <laughs> for Cooper to communicate. Is to Matthew McConaughey circumcised? <laughs> is that our round table question for this week? Yeah. There's no way. No way. No way. Yeah. I think. <laughs> also, can we just really quickly talk about this? He was born this? in America. What do you mean there's no way? It's like an 80% chance. Have you seen him? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. I just, can we get this out there? All these motherfuckers talk about big dick energy. It's big dick exhaustion, right? True. I have no <laughs> idea what you guys are talking about. That was in your uh, your Coachella poster. I saw that. Oh, big dick exhaustion. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, cool. Um, yeah, like we that. didn't talk about whether or not the Apollo missions were faked. They definitely weren't, right? Oh, my God. No. You can literally what? bounce a laser off a three-corner mirror that they left on the moon. That was exactly my thought. was like, who are, who are the schmucks who still think that the Apollo program was a hoax? Like, you it's can... It's the same dude. fucking sewer of Trump supporters, man. It doesn't even... What do you want to say to these people? I, I don't know. Yeah. Go get a laser and point it at the moon. <laughs> yeah, you got to find a pretty powerful one. Yeah, but it's doable. Clear night. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Make cool. Make sure there aren't any planes flying over. So, endorsements, guys? <laughs> uh, everyone's looking at me. Um, I'll endorse the Science of Interstellar, the book. <laughs> uh, I, no, I, I, not, I might not read it, but if they turn it into a movie, I'll watch it. <laughs> oh, I got a movie to show you, actually. It actually is a, yeah. a bonus feature in the DVD, Interstellar DVD. <laughs> oh, shit, no, right. but it's not the... It's just... It's not really the book. It's like a summary of the book, kind of, or just certain parts Did you of it. also watch that? I did, right. yeah. Do they have video of Kip Thorne signing your erect cock? <laughs> Cut that. It was actually a, a bag of hot dog buns that Alan brought. <laughs> bag of hot dogs. Sign these, please. I don't know why you're it's Ernest Borgnine. In my... All right. Um, like every bun or like the bag? The bag. Use your, use your imagination, Sam. I'm trying. But it's not really working very well. It's terrible. But it, it, it's a quick read. Uh, you know, I read most of it like today. It's so thin. Sam, Sam is holding up Alan's Kindle, <laughs> and I am murdering Sam. <laughs> you know, I think it's time I do like a Marie Kondo cleaning up my life of excess friends. <laughs> Sam thinks he, Asher thinks he's so cool now that Just, he's engaged. Do I give you joy? No, you do. You yeah, give me lots okay. of joy, Sam. Let's move on. All Here's right. Spark joy. So. Oh. oh, yeah. I didn't actually watch it. So <laughs> we did. We're actually doing the thing. She told me that like... Um, all the uh, apparently there's like all over the country secondhand shops have like the best selection that they've uh, ever had oh, because so many people shit. are throwing out their crap. <laughs> That's amazing. So if you're looking for some cool duds, oh fuck. oh wow, I should check that out. Well, it's yeah. funny because I've been following that philosophy for years without knowing about her. Again, this is like one of those. Wait, seriously. Yeah, I'm like looking around right now, and I'm having trouble believing that. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it's been a couple years <laughs> since I've Asher's done a hardcore <laughs> cleanse, but like for a or, long or, time, or dusting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a dust spark joy for you. Is that well, why you keep it around? <laughs> it's part of the, him. I got an endorsement. I can only scream or clean screaming on PCP. All right, <laughs> my endorsement is PCP. <laughs> I can hardly unendorse PCP. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty rad. So, yeah, I got a movie endorsement. Yes. Really, really liked this movie. Okay. Loved it. The Mummy. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, I know the Brendan thinking. Fraser one or like the one, no. the MGM, like the Tom Cruise? The 1969 yeah. Egyptian movie, Albumia. Like, is a movie like called Mummy? Is a movie called. Like, not MGM. No, there's a movie. Oh. It's, no, I don't think MGM. It's a 1969 movie called The Mummy. It's one of the, like maybe two Egyptian movies I've ever seen in my Wait, life. Is it universal? It's like an Egyptian Bergman movie. It's huh. It's it's fantastic. Can you like send us really, copies? It's free as fuck on YouTube. <laughs> Sweet. And Just it's called Mummy 1969. Al Mumia, I guess, or something. 1969. 
Summer of Love. Mummy 1969. 67 was the Summer of Love. It's a really good movie. Highly recommend. Cool. Uh, I'm going to endorse a, a dude that Raph went to junior high with on Twitter. It's at DVS Blast. It's the funniest Twitter account. I look at it and it makes me laugh and it makes me smile and shit. I guess, Alan, did you Wait, also? I went to middle school with him. Oh, yeah. So Alan went to elementary, elementary, elementary school. went to elementary school with him. Uh, yeah, so follow DVS Blast. He's really funny. I don't know. I feel like there was something else I wanted to endorse on, on the show. Something that I ate that was dope, but I can't remember what. Oh, well. Sandwich? Yeah, probably. You like sucking toes, right? Yeah, that's me. A regular, I forget the guy, the politician's name. Yeah, fuck it. Okay. (laughs) Um, Great. So thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, You can... Oh, Sam, Sam, do you have an endorsement? Oh, he doesn't have an endorsement. No, I thought he... Uh, 1995 Toyota Corolla Wagons. That's great. (laughs) <laughs> all right thanks so much for <laughs> thanks for <laughs> thanks so much for tuning in guys uh you can follow us on twitter i'm at asher lack sam uh at case of piles that's right yeah. alan at highly affiligent raf at have a cool penis <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow the show at robot house pod and it's spelled h-a-u-s all right thanks so much for tuning in guys until next time later wait pod is spelled h-a-u-s all right thanks sam bye